0: Hope is here. You stepped into an environment this morning where God is going to bless you with something supernatural. I believe that. Um, You you probably already know what I'm about to tell you, but I'm going to tell you anyway. We live in a world where people can be easily offended. I mean, they just can I mean, you don't have to say almost anything and you're going to offend somebody. Like, Jody, you don't even know this. My wife, but like two weeks ago, totally offended me. Has no idea. She said, Monty, I'd appreciate it if uh, you can you can uh, help clean the bathrooms. And I thought, how dare you say that to me? That's what I thought, what? (laughs) Totally offensive. Um, So uh, anyway, so don't do that anymore, okay? Uh, But people get offended. um, uh, From a guy's point of view, can I tell you something? A lot of times you take offense, ladies, to us and we're not even trying to be offensive. Like you'll ask us questions that are difficult. Like, how do I look in these jeans? We can say good and you'll be like, well, why did you pause before you say it? I'm like, I didn't pause, I said good. So just good, not great? No, no, they look great, they look awesome. Well, you didn't say awesome, you said good. It's like, oh, it's difficult, you know, from a guy. It just is. Jody, shoes, you'll come to me and say, sweetie, what shoes should I wear? I'm like, and she'll have pairs with her. And I'm like, the, the pair you got on, they look awesome. I love those. She goes, well, wait a second. Let me try this other pair on. I said, you don't need to try the other pair on. I see the other pair sitting right here, and those look good that you have on. She goes, well, they, they'll look different once I put put them on. I said, no, they don't. They're not going to, like, change or transform. They're shoes. I see them. Wear what you got on. It's just, uh, you know, so that's another thing that you're doing. So uh, <laughs> she's shaking her head at me. So... Uh, um. Okay, so I, uh, I had a friend that was really offensive growing up, and in our 20s, he had a pickup line, guys, don't use this. His pickup line, he'd go to a girl, and he'd say, hey, baby, um, you want to grab some pizza and make out? And the answer was always the same. It was never a yes. It was always like, not a chance, and you know what? And uh, sometimes it'd come with a slap across the face, which we as his friends enjoyed. It was just funny to watch. But, uh, but he'd come back after she said no, in whatever way she said no, he'd say, what, what's the matter? You don't like pizza? And uh, she didn't, you know, she didn't, she didn't appreciate that either. Amazingly, he's married now. Can you believe that? He, I, she must like pizza. I don't, I, it's weird. So, um, but people get offended all the time. And uh, I got to go back. I'll go back one more time to the ladies. I'm not picking on you, but sometimes you'll ask us, as guys, you'll say, you notice anything different about me? Oh my gosh. From a guy's point of view, can I tell you straight up, we don't notice anything different about you. Nothing. We're going to take a stab at it. We will because we're we're, gonna, we're game. You know, we're like, we'll say, you know, the shirt, new shirt. No, it's not a new shirt. I cut like four inches off my hair. I'm like, ladies, take it from me as a guy. You could come home bald and we still might miss it. Okay? I'm just telling you. It's taking offense. Um, I, I say this because... We're going to go on a journey today where you're going to, I hope you don't get too offended because Jesus is going to say some things to you and I that might seem offensive. At least if they don't to you, they did to the people he was hanging with. And not just the people that he was kind of had issues with, but the people that were his best friends. What he said, what I'm going to share with you, it, it would offend them like nothing else. It, 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 but, but here's the thing about Jesus and what you need to know. This series called Hope of the World, everything that Jesus ascended, uh, said that might offend somebody, ultimately he was bringing hope to them. He was bringing something new to them. Say something new. Oh my gosh, that was last week's message. If you missed it, watch it, listen to it, because these kind of tie together. It's, it's something new that Jesus had. And I, and I said it last week, I'm going to say it again. Some of you are desperate for something new. Some of you are desperate for hope in an area of your life and you're in a pit of despair maybe in a certain situation or a certain thought pattern or something with your family and there's a darkness in you and there's there's a there's just a a void in you and i'm telling you god has brought you here to speak hope into you he's going to speak it through his son and through the word and it might come across like you might not get it right away but i promise you when you leave here you're going to be supernaturally changed. I believe that with all my heart. I've, I'm so excited about this message. So if you brought a Bible, mobile app, whatever you use to get into God's word, just use something, go to Luke 22. Luke is one of the four gospels. All those gospels, they all, that means good news gospel, they all tell the story of Jesus' life from four different angles, four different perspectives, but a lot of the same stories because they're all watching the same thing. And in Luke 22, you know the, you know the scene. I probably don't even need to set it up for you. You're smart people. The Last Supper, you know, it's uh, Jesus is hanging out with his friends, and he's going to have this Last Supper before the next day he would die on a cross. So that's Friday. He dies. Thursday, he goes to an upper room, and this is what goes down. Man, lean into this. This is going to get offensive, but here we go. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I've been very eager to eat the Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. I'm never going to assume that you know or understand some of the words that are in the gospel or any of God's word. I love explaining it because I needed it explained to me. I didn't understand what Passover meant at a time in my life. And you hear it in the Bible all the time. Oh, they went to celebrate the Passover. Oh, they're t- that has to do with the Passover. What do you mean Passover? What are you even talking about? So what it's talking about, what, what, what Jesus and the disciples and everybody else during this time, this one time a year, they gather together. They're celebrating um, the exodus from Egypt. So about 1,400 years before this meal, Moses, you know the story, right, brought the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery, into the promised land. Actually, Joshua brought them into the promised land, but Moses brought them out. But, but the reason it's called the Passover is because when Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, he wasn't letting, like Moses said, let my people go. Well, Pharaoh, Pharaoh wasn't letting them go. So God was sending plagues, these bad situations, to, to help convince Pharaoh to let those people go for Moses and for the Israelites. And the final plague was a big one. It's, it's, it's the angel of death was going to come in an evening. And he was going to take out the firstborn sons, by, uh, including Pharaohs. That's what was happening. So God told Moses, hey, Moses, I'm sending the angel of death, and, and this is what's going to happen. But to protect the Israelites, here's what you need to do. You need to kill a lamb, the best lambs. Um, you eat the lamb, but take the blood and put it above the doorposts. Of, of the Jewish people, of the Israelites. If, if you put the blood above the doorpost of those lambs, when the angel of death comes through and he sees the blood, he will pass over, say Passover, that's where the name comes from, he will pass over that residence and continue on without harming anybody in there. You understand that now? So that's where Passover comes from. The, and that went down and, and, and that's a whole nother topic. But I'm telling you, uh, that's what finally broke Pharaoh because his son was one of those sons that died and he finally let, gave into Moses and Moses led the people out of, the, out of the, uh, Egypt and out of slavery. But that's where the word Passover comes from. Okay, so anyway, enough of that. The Passover was happening, the celebration, verse 16. For I, Jesus is now talking again and he's sitting with them at the meal. I tell you, I won't eat this meal again until its meanings is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Verse 17, then Jesus took a cup of wine, he gave thanks to God for it, he, then he said, take this wine, share it among yourselves, for I'm not going to drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. Okay, verse 19, he continues on, remember the last supper, now, now it's time to eat. He took the bread, he gave thanks to God for the bread, broke it into pieces, gave it to the disciples, and this is where it's getting offensive, they're hearing a lot about Jesus, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Okay, Jesus, I'm going to have to stop you right there. <laughs> Number one, that's not your body, Jesus. That's a bread roll, okay? So stop saying such weird stuff. Number two, do this in remembrance of you? Jesus, this, this whole thing that we're celebrating ain't about you, okay? This is about Moses. This is about Joshua. This is about the, 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 the plate out of, out of slavery, this has nothing to do with you, Jesus. Now you're messing with our traditions. Now you're messing with our holidays, right? Don't mess with our holidays. Don't mess with our Christmas, right? Some of you, you've got Christmas traditions. You don't want no one messing with those. Birthday traditions, you don't want no one messing with those. We have, before I moved here, when I lived in South Dakota, we had a, a Jody's family and I, we had a 4th of July tradition where we'd go out to Jody's mom's house, lived out in the country. You could blow up whatever you wanted and the cops will never find out about it. It was awesome. So we went out there one time and uh, I was just meeting the family. I don't even know if Jody and I was married, maybe just dating. And uh, meeting the extended family and doing this extravaganza. This is our celebration, our tradition that you don't mess with. And we'd, we'd do fireworks. And I was kind of in charge because, the, you know, the kids would gather around and they need a responsible adult like myself to take care of them and keep them safe. This, this is a true story. Uh, so we get to the end of the fireworks, and everything's going good. People behind us are all gathered. All the, the older people, the younger people, they're sitting, and they're, they're having their drinks, and they're watching the celebration. And we get to the, the finale. And the finale was weird. I opened this box, and there's these smoke balls in there, but huge ones with these big, long wicks on them. And uh, I, I'd never seen them before. And the packaging was different. The packaging was these tubes. Uh, this is a true story. Uh, I thought it was packaging dark out, too. So I shoved that to the side. Well, it's the mortar shells that it turns out I had no clue. First time I've ever seen them. So <laughs> all the kids are gathered. Gosh, Monty, what are we gonna do now? Well, gather our own kids. Um, so I light one of these mortar shells, uh, like as a smoke ball, in my hand. I light it, and the wick takes off like I've never seen before. I'm like, ah! so I chuck it like this no tube, no nothing. Whoa, shoots right in the center of everybody behind us watching. And then it was World War Three. It just, yeah, on the ground, boom, boom, chairs flying over, drinks flying. No one got killed, which is a miracle in itself. And the tradition almost stopped right there. Well, I never got to do fireworks again with them, but so my tradition kind of stopped. But I kid you not, I lit one of those babies without a tube, and um, your family's probably still talking about that. And they still let you marry me. So, isn't that nice? Lucky me. So, don't mess with our tradition. They're messing with tradition, and they didn't have any right messing with Jesus didn't have any right messing with Passover. None. And just when they thought things would settle down and they thought Jesus is done saying crazy things, he does it again. Listen to this. Now it's time for the main course. After supper, verse 20, he took another cup of wine. (laughs) Another cup of wine. They're getting a little bit wild here. Another cup of wine and he said, this is the cup of a new covenant. That would be offensive to them, by the way. Between God and his people, An agreement confirmed by my blood. More about Jesus, more about your body, more about your blood. Which is poured out for you as a sacrifice. Okay, Jesus, now you're talking about your blood. Now you're talking about a new covenant. We're not here to celebrate anything new. We're here to celebrate what we've always celebrated. But what if Jesus had something better? What if what Jesus was pointing them to would be something that, well, they'd never experienced before? That's what he was doing. But you know how we get stuck in our certain ruts and our certain uh, behaviors, and we know they're not. We know there's probably something better waiting. But you keep doing what you've always done. Well, that's where they're at. They've always celebrated the Passover. But check this out. This night, Jesus was just getting started. Do you know what happened at this Last Supper after he said all those things that offended them? Well, then he talked about somebody that was going to betray him. That somebody was Judas, who was still at the table, and Jesus said, "When are you going to betray me?" And finally, Judas is that one. Judas gets up, and he leaves. And Jesus is like, go do what you need to do, Judas. And Judas leaves to go tell the authorities where Jesus was. And and the night continues. Jesus doesn't miss a beat. So I'm going to take you now from Luke to John, okay? So John chapter 13, I'm going to give you two more verses in this Last Supper meal that they're having. Um, So John, in 1334, listen to this. So we know they've done the Last Supper. They've had their wine tasting competition. Jesus has said said things to offend everybody. And now he continues. More crazy statements. You ready for this? More more new statements. New covenant. Now what does Jesus have in store? 34. Verse 34. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Say new commandment. A new commandment, he says. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love one another. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. You might be thinking, love each other? That ain't new. That was way back in the law. That was way back before Jesus ever walked on the earth. It's true. That was not new. The new part was loving like Jesus loved. That was revolutionary. They had never heard that before. They heard love God. They heard love your, your neighbor as yourself. But now Jesus says, I've got something new. I make all things new. Love like I love. Wow, Jesus, how do you love? It's, it's interesting that that... I'll give you a picture of it. When Jesus, three years before this, when he started his ministry, one of the first sermons that's recorded is this Sermon on the Mount. Let me give you two verses from that sermon when Jesus was just starting out. He got baptized by his cousin. He starts his ministry. He goes on a hill, and he starts preaching. This is loving like Jesus loved. Jesus says in Matthew 5, verse 43, You have heard that the law says, right, the old covenant, the law, the law says love your neighbor, hate your enemy. What do you mean? The law said that? Well, the law did talk about an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. That's how it was, okay? But I say, Jesus says, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. This was a different kind of love. This is a love that they had never heard of before. This was this Jesus kind of love. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven, and what Jesus is teaching you and I today is that loving like Jesus means loving unconditionally. There's no strings attached to it. It's not dependent on how you treat me or how you talk about me or how you interact with me. That doesn't matter anymore. It's unconditional. There is no choice. I'm commanded to love. Sounds, sounds pretty like natural, but it's far from it. You need supernatural in you to be able to love like that, to love unconditionally. So Jesus, you're saying pray. You're saying pray for like my ex? Pray for my ex Oh, I pray for him, Jesus. I pray they get hit by a bus. That's what I've been praying. Jesus says, no, stop praying that way and start really praying for them. Love your ex, he says. Dang, that's offensive, isn't it? Say Offensive that's offensive that you would tell me to do that Jesus. Uh, Pray for the kid in the school that keeps bullying my kid and my kid comes home and he's crying and don't want to go back to school. Pray for that family. That's offensive that you would say to do that. Say offensive. It's offensive Jesus that I'm going to do that. Love my friend that stabbed me in the back. The one that I thought was my friend that isn't my friend. Love that person. Say offensive. That's offensive. You're telling me to do these things. Pray for the people that stole a church trailer, literally gutted it, and then set it on fire? Say offensive. That's offensive. We would pray for them? Are you kidding me, Jesus? But that's what he says. That story, that story continues to develop. I don't know. It's, it's crazy. So this past week, we got interviewed by a news station in Omaha. And I got to tell you, so the, the reporter, she's talking to me, and she said, what was it like to walk up on that trailer and see it just torched like that? And, and I'm thinking, gosh, this video is going to go out to thousands of people. In my mind, you know, it isn't always right. And I, I, I sat there. The thought that came to my head is when she said, what did you think? What were your thoughts when you walked up on that, that, that burnt trailer? And the thought that went through my head as she was interviewing me, I said, I should say something like, you know, I walked up on that, um, <laughs> walked up on that trailer and it smelled like someone was barbecuing. And I thought to myself, oh, Lord, Jesus, there's a fire. I didn't grab my shoes or nothing, Jesus. I ran for my life. Ain't nobody got time for that. I mean, that's what, I'm sorry. If, you, if that doesn't make sense to you, Google it. It will. So uh, that's, that's, I just, why, do, why does my mind go there? So I did not say that. <laughs> I didn't grab my shoes or nothing. I'm sorry. This sweet brown lover. So, <laughs> What the heck? So, but that's what my, that's what the devil is trying to get me to say on camera. So, thank God that God overpowered him and I didn't say something that stupid. So, um, they, we did this real quick interview right out here and we get done and, and now the camera guy is filming like the building and he's fil- filming the parking lot where the trailer was and all this. And the, me and the reporter are talking and she's like, you know, she goes, we cover a lot of petty crimes, but this one wasn't really petty because it was, it was, high dollar, a lot of everything, you know, really everything that we had owned. And she said, plus it involves a church, and that's an angle to the story. So they were excited to, like, get the coverage of it. And then she goes, well, hopefully they catch the people that did it. And I said, Liliana, I said, I'll be straight up with you. I, I meant what I said in the, when we were on camera. My prayer is that those people will come to come to a relationship with Jesus if they don't already have one. I don't know. I don't know. Even in Christ, you can do some stupid things, trust me. I do every day, so, um, but uh, I told her, I said, that's what we want, that's what what our prayer is, I meant what I said, like, we want them to come in, like, that's who we came for, isn't it, isn't that why we launched Meadows Church, for people that are messed up, didn't we, I mean, that's who we came to reach, and I, I, so I don't get too freaked out when I hear that stuff, I don't, like, I was shocked right away, but afterwards, I thought, okay, that should be expected, shouldn't you expect persecution, Jesus said, expect it. See, so why do we, sometimes I think we as Christians get it messed up. Like, we get so appalled at how people act, but, but why do we expect people that don't have a Holy Spirit in them to act like they have the Holy Spirit in them? Does that make sense? Like, here's the deal. The Holy Spirit is the miraculous power of God living inside your body. Living inside you. That's, the, that's what happens when you sell out to Jesus and you surrender your life. That is, that is a miracle living in you, compelling you to live differently. If you don't have that, how can you expect people to live that way? I expect people to be jacked up. I expect people to rob trailers. I expect it. And I welcome them. I want them here. And I told her, I said, Liliana, at the end of the day, I want people to know that Meadows is a church where it's okay to not be okay. That's why I want them here. That's why we're begging for them to come in. So it's because we are a church where it's okay to not be okay. Some of you, that's resonating with you right now because you're in a situation where you're not okay. And I would say to you, welcome home. Guess what? There's hope for you today. There is hope for you today. No matter how far you've gone down, right? Because with the power of Christ, you're not out. You are not out. Jesus has something in store for them and for you. But what does not being okay look like, really? What do you mean not okay? I don't know if it really has a face, to be honest with you. I think it can look joyous. I think it can look like it's all put together. I, it's, like, it's like when I admitted I was a drug addict. Before I, w- before I would say those words out loud, to me, a drug addict was somebody walking around, some disheveled loser with a needle hanging out of his arm. It ain't me. No, Monty, no, it's not you. you, you you're, you're one that's got your life appeared to be put together. You can dress nice, and you can play the part, and you can go to work, but still treat your family like garbage, still live a double life, and still be a drug addict, just not the one that you have in your head. So I wonder what not okay. Here's what not okay looks like. It looks like um, probably the person you look at in the mirror every day. It looks like your neighbor. It looks like your teacher. It looks like your coworker. It, it, that's what not okay looks like. Just because we got just because we're put together on the outside, doesn't mean we're not dying on the inside. Gosh, how many reminders do we need? of not being okay. Just another one this week. This is more into my realm of the pastoral field. But just this week, uh, a well-known pastor, young guy, 30 years old. And this is a dude that helped lead a megachurch. So he's known in my circles. You probably don't even know who he is. But it would rock the, the, the church world because he was um, a mental health advocate. He admitted, like I do, he's got mental health problems. Um, he, had, he preached about him. He was an advocate. He, so, so he was a guy that was just doing great things in the mental health field. Well, this last week, he he killed himself, and it completely shocked everybody, shocked them. Here's a picture of him and his family. You look at, and this probably wasn't taken that long ago, so this is Jared Wilson. Jared Wilson is his name. You look at this family, and this is what you would see on Facebook, and you would think, man, that family's got it all together, a young family, successful family, good-looking family, looks like they got healthy kids to me. See, what you see on the outside isn't what's going on on the inside. I'll say it all day long. This is a church where it's okay to not be okay. But even as I say that, I'll tell you this. I don't want to be a church that waits for people to cry out or reach out before we're going to extend a hand or before we're going to say, I want to help you, or I want to love you. I really want to be a church that says, how can we help? Like, we know people that struggle mentally, physically. I want to be a church that proactively is reaching out. How are you doing? And when they say, oh, I'm doing good, and we don't sense that they're doing good because that's just a knee-jerk reaction, we'll press in, and we'll say, are you really? Really, are you okay? And we'll look in their eyes and love and say, I've got time. If you're not okay, let's talk. Let's do something. See, I want to be a church that steps up like that. I want to be a church that loves like that. I'm not going to wait for you to tell me that you're struggling mentally. I'm not going to wait for you to tell me that you want me to pray for you. I want to go to you and say, how can I pray for you? What can we do for you? This is the church. See, loving like Jesus not only means loving unconditionally, it means loving proactively. Okay, that means we're not going to wait for them to come to us. We're going to go to them. We're going to take love to them. We're going to take grace to them. We're going to take mercy to them. We're going to take prayer to them. That's what Jesus did. That's what he's calling us to do. Love like that. This is what God wants us to do. This is why we're doing things like Love Week. Love Week. I already see some of the t-shirts. People got them on. Casey had one on. I want you to take one before you leave, by the way. They're free. Take one. Because here's what it signifies. It signifies that we are going to be a church that is love in action. I don't want to just preach about it. And and I'll tell you, I first struggled when I thought to myself, God, you want us to pick a week where we're going to love. Like September 22nd through September 28th, that is our love week for Meadows Church. I'm like, God, that's kind of embarrassing. Shouldn't, I mean, shouldn't every week be a love week? You know what God said? What is it? Are you? Are you really loving differently than anybody else who doesn't attend church? who doesn't have a Bible, who doesn't, who's not serving, does your life look any different? Right then and there, I'm like, okay, we're going to have love week, (laughs) because here's what I know about me, and maybe it's true about you, that I can get in my groove, and I can be with my family, and I can get in activities and hobbies and a routine of school and work and nighttime and this time, and pretty soon my life doesn't look much different than anybody else. See, love has to be proactive, it's got to be intentional, it doesn't happen by accident. Even if you're a pastor, even if you go to church, even if you open your Bible and you memorize scripture, it doesn't happen. Here's natural, natural is selfish, natural is inward, natural isn't isn't loving externally, it isn't. So we are going to have a love week where we're going to remind ourselves what God has called us to do. Now you don't have to wait till the 22nd to start loving. You start loving today. It's cool. God likes that. But we're picking a week and we're doing it. And you're gonna, so if you go to our website, you'll, you'll, there'll be a button right on the homepage. It says Love Week. It's like we spell it out for you. Okay, and you click it, and there's opportunities. We just came up with a list of 20 plus that you can just you can just love this week, next week wear your shirt when you're doing it. It's awesome. People might ask you a question. You might have a faith conversation. They just might come to know the Lord because of the way you're loving. That's the goal. So you go there and you'll see a list of, okay, thanking a first responder by maybe buying them a lunch or or praying for them or bringing them a snack or whatever. Our first responders are amazing policemen firemen, EMTs. And there's probably some here today you should give them a little bit of a a glory because they help us out all the time. They're amazing. They're amazing. On the heels of 9-11, think of the first responders. How about our veterans? Man, we live in a community where we're in the center of, yeah, we're in the center of it, man. Thank you for serving. Thank you if you serve. Thank you if you're going to. I mean, how can we thank our veterans? Yeah, we're going to pray for them, but how about we pray with them? What if we went and prayed with them? What if we brought them a meal? What if we brought them coffee? What if we did something more supernatural than what we normally would do? That's the goal. Our doctors, our nurses, our dentists, Jake. My gosh, Jake got <laughs> Jake's like, oh my gosh. Uh, you got lower um, braces, right, this week at your orthodontic? So I've never had braces, so I don't, I don't get it. Um, I guess they can hurt. So we're, we're at the dentist's office, and Jake's back there getting his lower braces on. I'm not kidding you. There was a, I thought they were killing a kid back there. This kid was screaming so loud, like crying. And I never heard that before there. I'm like, oh my gosh, I pray to God that's not my kid. I just like, don't be Jake, don't be Jake, don't be Jake. All of a sudden, Jake comes out and he's got his lowers on and He's not bawling. His eyes aren't puffed up. I'm like, oh, thank God. Jake's like, dad, did you hear that girl bawling? I'm like, Jake, I'm pretty sure all of Omaha heard, heard that girl bawling. It was So our doctors, they put up with a lot, nurses, dentists. So you give them a, a shout right now too. We got them here. How about teachers just just keep clapping for our teachers? And you need to get louder than that, louder. There you go. Our teachers put up with our hooligans. Um, you know, our teachers are awesome. Pastor Casey and I met with a school that. Um, we have met with a couple schools recently, man. Cornerstone Christian School's got amazing things going on. Met with the superintendent there. Very good chance our youth are going to start meeting there on a weekly basis, which is amazing. Youth is 6th through 12th grade. If you have a kid that's 6th through 12th grade, you need to come see Pastor Casey. Honestly, our youth is going to start every week on Wednesday nights, and it's going to be phenomenal. You need to do that today for your teenager. Something else I want you to do for your teenager, Love Week isn't just about loving people out there. It's loving people in your family. So, so this is tr- this is real real deal here. You got teenagers that might come home and they do their own thing, and they're in the room and they got the door shut and they're you know whatever gaming or talking or text who knows what. How about you as a parent, me as a parent, as a dad or as a mom, we go and knock on the door and just start having a conversation with them. Don't wait for them to come to you. As a teenager, they probably won't. I'll just tell you, we're learning that we need to be proactive. We need to be proactive. And here's what here's what I read in a book and I tried it and it worked amazing. Ask your teenager. What, what's worrying you right now? What, what's your biggest worry? I'll guarantee what they tell you will blow you away. And it'll open a conversation that, that will change, your, that will change your, the dynamic of your family. I'll leave it at that. Let's love our families. Let's not just love out there, but love where we're living. This is so key, man. I'm preaching to me right now because God's talking to me about that as well. But the school we met, G. Stanley Hall, is an elementary school where we have kids from this church that go there, it's a lower income school met with the principal. She said half the kids are on free or reduced lunch. That means there's, that means there's, there's financial struggles. A lot of the families are single-parent families, okay? 400-plus students, pre-K through sixth grade. I mean, there's so many opportunities, and she started listing them. all. I'm like, oh my gosh. Between them and Cornerstone, we, let's just start loving these schools, and there's ways. So there's on that, when you click on Love Week, select what you will do, Okay, we're not going to hold you to it. We're trusting that you'll do it. You'll get an email reminding you to do it. But but do it. We need help. We got to be intentional. You won't do it without me prompting you and I may not do it without you prompting me. We have to do these things. Loving uh, loving our neighbors, cooking a meal for your neighbor, you know, unless you if but if your cooking is not a blessing, buy a meal for your neighbor, okay? This isn't kill your neighbor week. It's love week. That kill your neighbor is the following. I'm just kidding. So uh <laughs> that's wrong I just take that out of the video okay so um (laughs) that's what we want to do buy groceries rake a lawn donate blood Jesus did right donate blood this last one really got to me really choked me up thank your pastor by buying him a Dodge Challenger I don't know who put that there I don't know who did that if God if that's what you want so be it your will be done so uh, (laughs) just kidding pray for people don't just say, I'm going to pray for somebody, but you actually step down and say, I want to pray for you right now. I want to pray for you right now. I don't care if you're in the street. I don't care. You, you, I'm, you, you're going to be out there. Pray for them. God will speak through you. Love weak. Action Adam, go on the website, click on Love Week, select what you will do that week and maybe even start this week, grab a t-shirt, there's t-shirts for everybody, please take a t-shirt before you leave here, we got over 300 of them, they're free, take them, remind yourself, love in action, love in action, we're not just going to gather on a Sunday and talk about it, we're going to do it, see, that's what, th- this is, that's how you love like Jesus. My gosh, there comes a time we got to stop just declaring it. And we need to start demonstrating it. By the love of Jesus, that's what he's calling us to do. Jesus didn't say, well, you'll know my followers by the way they talk about me, how they circle up about me. No, Jesus says, you will know my followers by the way that they love like I love. Unconditionally, proactively, intentionally. That's the love of Meadows Church. That's what we want. That's proactive. It's so beautiful but it's not easy you'll have to press yourself it won't it won't be your it won't be natural for you the heart's wicked remember the bible says that but we're going to be proactive Jesus was proactive you know one time Jesus was walking with his disciples he was so proactive he said guys I'm not going to wait for you to tell me what people are saying about me I can be an offensive guy what is I want to know what are they saying about me that's what he said one time with his disciples." proactive. He said, what, what, what's the word on the street about your, about Jesus? And they're like, ah, well, Jesus, we're hearing a lot. Some people think you're like, you know, John the Baptist came back, or you're, uh, you're Elijah, you're Moses, and then Jesus, straight up, doesn't mess around. Who do you say that I am? Says it right to his best friends. What do you think? What's, what's the word from you about who I am, Jesus said. And in Matthew 16, 15, this is what they say. It's Peter who speaks up first. Go figure. Then he, then he asked him, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of a living God. Jesus responds, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. In other words, Peter, you ain't that smart. Somebody had to give you that information. But, uh, but, but God gave it to Peter. You didn't learn it from any human being, Jesus said. So now I say to you, you're Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I'll build my church. That's a crazy statement right there. More on that in a second. I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Jesus, this is the first time church that word has ever been used in the word of God. First time. First time. Jesus says, I will build. The only thing Jesus said he'd ever build is his church, ever says, I'll build my church. You know what Jesus was doing there? You know what he was predicting? Us. He was predicting you and me and this, this morning. He was predicting Meadows Church, Calvary Church, Lifegate Church. Jesus was predicting his church. This was amazing. This was super. I will build it. It's going to happen. And weeks after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, weeks after that Last Supper that you learned about, his followers would take to the streets of Jerusalem and a movement called the Hope of the World, the church would start moving. And lives would start to radically become changed through this church. But do you know something about that church, that word that was used for the first time? Do you know it's actually the combination of two Greek words? You know what it is? Well, it's the title of your message. Somebody just say it. Called out. Called out. Not huddled in. Not just gathered inward. Called outward. Taking it from the street or the seats to the streets. That's what the word church means. We have to remind ourselves of this. God is calling us to impact our community, impact our family, impact our schools, impact our our world. Called out, loving like Jesus. means loving unconditionally and loving proactively. I want to be that church. I believe you want to be that church. I believe that you want, you want Meadows to be a church where we will love others when we know they're not going to love us back. I will pray for others. You will pray for others. Well, you know they ain't going to pray for you. We will forgive others even when the world says they don't deserve to be forgiven. We want to be that church. I'll just say it. We want to be a church that is offensive. Let me, let me finish. We want to be a church that is offensive to hell. And offensive to the devil. Because we serve a victorious king. A king who said, I will build my church. I will build Meadows Church. And the gates of hell will not prevail. I need someone to shout a little bit. I need someone to get loud. Does anybody in this place believe? what we want oh i will build it you're predicting us jesus may we not let you down in reaching people in your name not this week but last week i'm laying with jake in his bed it was interesting he was we said our prayers and he was quiet and i'm getting ready to leave and all of a sudden he says dad if those people that stole the trailer really came to Meadows Church, would you turn them into the police? And I said, Jake, here's my thought. If they, if they step into Meadows Church, like we're praying they step into Meadows Church, they'll probably already have that repentant heart that God wants. So I wouldn't turn them in, I would just point them to the one who can change them because that's what Jesus is in the business of doing. What was so interesting is Jake's response he immediately, I couldn't see the smile, but I felt it. He immediately said, okay, good. And he turned and, and, and shut his eyes. He, he, he wanted to know. He wanted to know, is what you're saying really true? Like, would we forgive them like that, dad? Or would we just give them what they deserve? He wanted, and he, I, he, we haven't even talked about this. He, haven't talked about it. He immediately said, okay, good. I could just sense the peace in his body as he said, yes. That's what we want as people. Some might take offense to that statement. What? Letting them off the hook? Jesus let me off the hook a lot of times. A lot of times. I want to be a church that is offensive in the right way. You don't have to try to be offensive. If you're a church on fire for the gospel of Jesus Christ, you will offend others. It's what the gospel does. People think, all oh, Christianity is so offensive, you know. The most offensive thing about Christianity, man, the homosexuality or marriage or abortion. Now, that's not the most offensive topics about Christianity. You want to offend somebody, tell them that there's a God who is their creator, their owner, and their judge. Tell them that. Tell them that they'll stand before him as guilty, as a sinner. Tell them that. That'll offend them. And then go on to tell them that the only way that they can be saved from that sin and from hell is by surrendering their life And putting their trust and faith in a crucified king and risen savior. Tell them that. That would offend a lot of people. People that don't believe. I mean, telling people that God was a person, came into earth earth as a human, that would offend about a, a billion plus Muslims just saying that right there. It's offensive. You don't have to try to be offensive. The gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus was offensive. He wasn't doing it to try to make people upset. It's just His truth, but but it's all in such love. Do you get it? The the word of God doesn't offend me anymore. Things used to, but that's because I was doing what it told me not to do, and I took offense to that, of course. I know what's right. That's offensive to God. You know what's right? I created you. When you've been where I'm at in in my life, dysfunctional as they come, and God forgives me, okay, I'm not offended God by you anymore. I'm in awe of your goodness. I'm in awe of your love. I'm in awe of your grace. I'm in awe of your beauty. And seeing good in a guy like me who has completely messed things up for so many people. You know what? I'm sure I got friends out there. I'm sure I got friends out there that, that are offended that I'm a pastor. Like that my technical title is reverend. That's weird, reverend. That's just, but it is. That's my credentials would say I'm a reverend. That would offend a lot of people that I used to hang with. They know where I've been. They know what I've done. Some of them I've hurt really bad. That would offend them. But that's what Jesus can do to people. He takes takes messes and makes miracles. I wonder who needs that in this place today. I wonder who I'm talking to today. I saw a sign, put it up on the screen, this sign. I saw it. I thought of you and me. When someone brings up your past, you tell them, Jesus dropped the charges. It's what he did. It's It's what he did. I don't get it. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve heaven. Eternal bliss in heaven? But that's what he gives for those who call on his name. I preached at Celebrate Church. That's my home church in Sioux Falls, church of thousands, large church. I preached there about a year and a half ago. We were very, very new as a church at Meadows. I went and preached. And I remember before I got up to preach there, I was just sitting and waiting, and they were doing like the music and the worship music and the announcements. And I'm sitting there, and I missed the greeting time, but I got in there late because I was talking to people. People want to see you because you haven't seen you for a while and I'm talking. And I sit down, like in the second or third row, I just sit down, I'm just kind of waiting to go up to preach. And I look over to this guy next to me. And man, I could tell he wasn't okay. Sometimes you don't know because we play the part. He wasn't okay. Like disheveled. Look, <laughs> You know what he reminded me of? Probably me when I walked through the doors, to be honest with you. And I looked at him and, and it wasn't even the appropriate time to greet, but I didn't care. I just looked at him, I'm like, And I reached over and I tapped him. I said, hey, he's like, hey. And I reached over and said, hey, my my name's Monty. I'm glad you're here. That's all I said. And he had no idea I was going to get up and preach. He didn't know where I was. And then three minutes later, I'm up preaching. I preach the word. I get done and people are waiting to talk, you know, and they want to talk to you because they haven't seen you for a while. So people actually wait around and he was waiting. He was waiting, waiting. waited a long time. He got to me, tears welled up in his eyes And he just said, thank you so much for for saying that to me. Thank you for the word today. I mean, it was really emotional. And I'm like, yeah, you're welcome, man. His name was Josh. So what's interesting is I preached again at, at Celebrate Church this summer. And I'm seeing people again and meeting people. And this guy came up to me after the service. No idea who he was. I never met him before. Not that guy. He's like, hey, I'm Josh. I said, Josh. He's like, yeah, you remember me? I'm like, remember I met you? You met me? I'm like, Josh? I'm like, he looked completely different. Like physically, he looked different. Looked much healthier, much better. And I was just like, wow. I said, Josh, you look awesome, man. I'm really proud of you. He goes, Jesus, he goes, Jesus is changing me. And I said, yeah, he'll do that. And I said, he's just getting started with you. And he was so, he was still blown away of, of the time before when I met him and reached over and did that. I mean, that, I didn't think nothing of it. So so I get done preaching. Well, okay, the story doesn't end. So the trailer gets jacked a couple weeks ago, gets burnt. Well, Pat, my pastor has that well, a Bible. Did we show that Bible? Yeah, oh, amazing. So my pastor has that right now. And he showed it last week into the church. Josh saw it. So Josh sends me a message Sunday morning, a week ago today, Josh sends me a message. Monty, pastor showed that, what happened to your trailer, what happened to the church. He said, I couldn't hardly sleep Saturday night because they had a Saturday night service. He said, I, needed, oh, oh, I, I I, feel convicted. He used the word convicted. I'm convicted. I have to do something. What's your address? And uh, I'm like, okay, yeah, here's our address. And, and this week a check shows up from Josh. Substantial check. And I, I, I get the check and I'm like, my first thought was, Josh, I told you to make this out to Monty Gannon, not Meadows Church. I'm just kidding. So uh, (laughs) that's terrible. Um, (laughs) I don't know why I say stuff like that, but I do. So um, I send him a message right away back the way he communicates with me. And I'm like, Josh, I'm blown away by your generosity. I'm blown away. He sends me this message. He goes, Monty, I'm happy to help. He goes, I love seeing God at work. I've tried most of my life to find happiness. Think of this. Think this is you. This is somebody in this place today. This was me. I've tried most of my life to find happiness or peace in, in many different ways and many different avenues. But no matter what I chased, listen to this, hoping to find it. It always, I always came back disappointed. You always will. It will never satisfy you ever. Until I found Christ and really started trusting him. Monty, it was only then I experienced it. And then he says this, dash, through generosity, which he was displaying, and service work, loving in action. That's what he said. Through generosity, giving back, and loving others. And then he said, who would have thought, LOL, exclamation point. Anyway, I can't wait to see what God has planned for you and your church. And then he says, has planned for me. Peace be with you and God bless you. And I thought, God brings dead things back to life. Josh was—I—I'm I, pretty sure I, sh- I shook the hand of a corpse that first time I met him. He is being raised new. He is being changed. He has been made different by Jesus Christ. So I'll take this back where we started. I want to invite the communion team to come forward, and the communion team can start to just pass out elements. We're going to share communion and close in a song. And you remember the Passover, right? I know I've been up here a little bit, but the Passover—you know what it means. Remember Jesus in the Last Supper. You remember what Jesus said? He said, first of all, the Passover, what's crazy is the sacrifice of Christ, that whole Passover foreshadowed Jesus. You probably get that now. The lambs, the perfect lambs, the blood, the seeing the blood passing over, letting them go, letting them off the hook. That's what Jesus did. He was the ultimate lamb of God. The ultimate sacrifice. No No more animal sacrifices are needed. No more sprinkling of the blood at the temple. Jesus did it all. It's like Jesus says something. Jesus says something. This is the cup of a new covenant. As you take the elements, and if you don't, if you're here, and you don't believe in Jesus. You don't have to do this. I'm just glad you're here. Keep coming back. I pray that God is moving in your heart. I love you. God loves you more. This is the cup of a new covenant with my blood poured out for you. Say for you for you in other words you know what Jesus is saying at the last supper and what he's saying to you and I today this one's on me see the Israelites had to do a lot of suffering there was a lot of consequences it's all gone that's the old watch last week's message that is the old this is the new Jesus says you don't need to worry about any of that anymore it's on me. All you need to do is sac- or surrender your life to me. Call on my name. Believe in my son Jesus Christ that he died on a cross and rose from the dead. Or, and for somebody in here this is your next step. Besides clicking that love week button and telling us how you're going to love in action, you are going to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. He'll drop the charges in a second. In a second he'll do it. And, and you'll, you'll be made new. This one's on me. As you grab the elements, Jesus is saying, this one's on me. I got it. You don't need to be, you don't need to, you don't need blood from anybody else or any other animal. It's mine. Mine covers it all. That's what he says. But as you're taking the elements, I'm gonna ask you a question. It's the question that Jesus asked the disciples that day proactively. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that Jesus Christ is? Some of you may believe that he's not even real. Some may believe he was a man or a prophet or a teacher. Some of you believe he is the risen son of God. My, my prayer, my goal is to help get you closer to believing in that. That is the truth. I don't, say that, I don't even say that because the Bible says it. I say that because your pastor was a dead man, dead in addiction, dead in sin. And I didn't call anybody any other name except Christ, and he saved me. And he'll do the same with you. Who do you say that Jesus is? If today you say that he is the Son of God, and he is the risen Son of God, and he will take away your sins if you let him and allow him and ask him to come into you and make you new where that Holy Spirit can live in you, we want to celebrate with you. We want to walk with you. I want you to record it on the cards so we can celebrate. I want you to let us pray with you. That's why we're here. That is the beginning of new life. That is what God has for you. That's something fixed up, something brand new. You can open the elements, I think they're passed out. They're kind of weird, there's two tabs. The very top tab, it will pull the bread. So the bread, let's do this together. This is the bread of life. This is This is what Jesus would say. My body, my body given up for you. Go ahead and eat the bread in remembrance of Jesus Christ. That's what you're remembering right now. Jesus predicted you, remember that? He predicted you. And now when you're eating the body, you what you're doing is you're remembering him. God, you're my king. The world's jacked up when I leave here. My life is still a mess, but you're on the throne, and I need you to, I need you to guide me. I need you to love me. I need you to continually guide me to my God-given purpose, God. You can peel back the next one, that is the drink. Some of you were hoping for wine. I'm sorry to disappoint. This is the cup of a new covenant. Say new, a new covenant. Do you understand what we're saying now? The old is gone. There is no more sacrifices. No more. None of that. It's it's old. It, 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 we still learn from it, but we don't apply it to our lives. Thank God we don't have to, because Jesus says, "This one's on me." Go ahead and drink the cup. Father, I thank you so much for what you're doing in your house today. You've been pretty clear, I believe, in telling us that. If we're gonna be a church and even use that term, we have to live called out. We've gotta live differently. It can't just be gathering and listening and learning. It has to be love in action. God, I pray for everybody in this place. I pray that they will go to our site. They will click on that button. They will will commit to some certain things, God, that you put on their heart to do, and they will do them. And people will come to know you through our love. People will ask questions about why we would do that. Why would you pay for my meal? Why would you buy this? Why would you love like this? Why would you bring this to me? Why would you pray for me? Because my king wants me to live that way. And the more I live like my king, the more I'm transformed into the likeness of him. That's what we want, God. For the people that are gonna surrender everything to you, they may, maybe they've gotten off track or they've never been on track, I pray that they will surrender their life, call on the name of Jesus Christ ask you to come into them and make them new, a new covenant, a new commandment, a new life. You are a Jesus Christ that makes all things new. God, we want that. We pray for that. We thank you for that, God. And I'm telling you that we're never going to stop declaring this, that in you, when we surrender to you, the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody says,